Welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. Welcome and good afternoon. I'm so, I guess, looking forward to this, uh, to this sharing this afternoon with our uh, very good friend, uh, our very good friend, Patrick, Patrick Hussain from Burger IT. And I gotta say, it's a very timely conversation. You know, we've been trying to uh, lock Patrick in for this particular uh, sharing, this particular topic for, um, for, for over two months now. And he's been so inundated and, and busy, I guess, um, not only leading his team and his many customers around the world, but definitely, um, I guess, at the forefront of being a spokesperson, a go-to, a sought-after expert, as it relates to everything IT, and in recent years, everything regarding how to protect your business, protect your um, your home, as it relates to cybersecurity. So, a little bit of a background on uh, Patrick Hussain. He, uh, he has been known as the IT guy, and has certainly been everything IT since leaving university in the mid-90s. He worked for the Australian Grand Prix, Commonwealth Games, Walt Disney Special Events Group before starting his own business at, uh, at the turn of the new century. And uh, since that time, he has consulted to companies on all sizes, uh, from one-man bands to business with hundreds and thousands of staff. His business is, uh, I guess, a well-sought-after business. And one of his specialties, one of um, and this is why I love Patrick, he, um, he's an alumni client of uh, Business Benchmark Group, one of the first and original board of directors, 12 clients as well. So power to you, Pat, and the business you've got on to build. But in saying that, he um, one of the things he's really well known for is he doesn't expect a lot of money. You don't need to spend a lot of money. He does the best to protect you from spending a lot of money to have the latest and the greatest, the most effective tools to keep your business, the, the I guess the IT side of things, but most importantly in the most recent years, your business protected as it relates to cybersecurity. So um, he's a well sought after um, person as it relates to elite sporting organizations like most of the AFL teams, NRL teams, and the A-League soccer teams have um, the access to Burger IT's um, service and products. And he looks after their databases and just a phenomenal uh, um, journey in business as well. So in the last three years, Patrick has pivoted Burger IT, the business, to tackle the chaotic world of cybersecurity. And I do warn everybody that's just about to sit through the next 45 to 50 minutes, I do warn everybody that um, ignorance to your peril. And, and, and I know for me, I guess the last week when Scott Morrison said, we are under attack by an actor, an actor state, that was a time of holy moly. And I just needed to literally text Pat and say, mate, are we okay? And literally within three and a half seconds, it came back, he said, what do you reckon, mate? Of course you are. Now, in saying that, we always need to be on our toes and having an organisation like Burger IT, supporting Business Benchmark Group is to our advantage. But that doesn't mean we are safe. So in the last three years, Patrick has pivoted Burger IT to become known as a go-to cybersecurity uh, um, consultancy slash service-based business by leveraging the cutting edge security tools provided by Microsoft specifically, he has been able to bring a systematic and focused approach to taking his clients 
to the cloud in a safe and secure way, leading to huge efficiencies and transforming their businesses along the way. In 2020, recently, unbeknown to him, we were going to enter the COVID-19 space where someone just said, you need to go home and run your businesses, every one of Patrick's clients, you know, go home and do it in a, in a digital sort of world. But I guess for us, <coughs> business benchmark group, working with Patrick for a very long time as it relates to our IT and everything IT and cybersecurity, we were two years already in the practice of, of, of having everything in the cloud and being ready to translate everything we did face-to-face -to, -face to digital and we're not looking back. But I'm sure every one of you, particularly the clients in this um, sharing this afternoon, will attest to how magnificent that move forced upon us has been. So over to you, um, Patrick, and congratulations on uh, continuing your education in this space and being on the journey to a master's in cybersecurity. Power to you and welcome, and um, I look forward to your sharing, Pat. Thanks, Stefan. Um, thank you for, for having us today. Looking forward to being able to uh, to scare the pants off people uh, a little bit, uh, just in terms of, of how much at risk we all are. Um, but uh, luckily there are definitely some solutions we can put in place um, to kind of protect ourselves from some of that stuff that Scott Morrison was talking about the other day. Thanks again to Scott Morrison for trying to push my business along. It was my own little stimulus package that he did there. So we're gonna move into uh, the presentation uh, pretty much straight away. And uh, Stefan, I'm sure you're gonna jump in as we go, uh, just with some thoughts about, um, and some questions. Uh, and anybody out there in uh, in the virtual meeting room, please um, pipe up with any questions that you've got and they'll come through to us as we go. So this is all about how do we use cybersecurity? Uh, how do we best protect ourselves from cybersecurity as small businesses? Um, we are a target. A lot of people think that we're not, um, but unfortunately we are a big target. So uh, along the way here, we'll talk about how we get to this place, what cybersecurity actually looks like, um, the kind of threats that uh, are, uh, are facing us, um, just how exposed we are as small businesses and uh, the kind of things we can put in place to protect our businesses going forward. So a little thing, a little bit about me, um, Stefan mentioned um, a bit of my history, so I won't dwell on that too long. Um, feel free to reach out to me uh, if you've got any questions about this or you would like to, to know more information. Uh, there's a little slide there of, of uh, some clients that we've got that we've been looking after for, for some time, some of them for almost 20 years. But moving straight into the presentation, what are the cyber threats out there? What is it that we're, we're looking um, to protect ourselves from? And that landscape is constantly changing. Uh, nation states, uh, as the Prime Minister mentioned the other day, is something that is a little bit new to us, although it has been uh, obviously uh, at a, a, a higher level for, for some time. One of the problems that we've got is that these nation states are they have whole departments of people who their only job is is to try and uh, cause cause uh, a ruckus, cause some commotion uh, in high-level things, whether that's hospitals or power production or water or anything like that. The tools that these guys have put together over you know many years are starting to trickle out onto the dark web, which means that regular people can get hold of them. So all of a sudden, we're not a government. We don't have to worry about that kind of stuff, but we're now being exposed to the kind of threats that governments used to be uh, the only ones worried about until very recently. Uh, and the, the dwell time between when a tool is created and when it's unleashed upon regular people uh, has become a lot lower. So that's what we're gonna talk about now. 
So at the end of the day, there are 7.6 billion people in the world and most of them are connected to the internet. The thing that you've got to remember with the internet and anything to do with social media or uh, any kind of connection is that if you're connected to it, it's connected to you. So at the end of the day, there is a huge chunk of the world that has some kind of connection to you. And if your defences aren't right, if you don't have the right practices and procedures in place, then potentially you're going to fall afoul of that. In the old days, we weren't really too worried about this kind of thing because it tended to be, you know, your, uh, your quintessential uh, kid in a hoodie sitting in his parents' basement. Uh, he was causing, um, causing trouble just to kind of have some laughs, brag to his friends. Uh, that's all changed because organised crime has moved into town and they have identified that it's an awful lot easier to tear money out of people sitting behind a computer screen than it is selling drugs on street corners. So that means that they can turn their pretty prodigious powers of money laundering and, and that kind of thing to be able to quickly exfiltrate money uh, out of you uh, and move that through their network and out to someone else. So that's where uh, a lot of this has really started to ramp up because we are now under attack from people who really want to do us harm, criminals. Why do they want to do this? And the simple thing is some people want to disrupt, some people want to cause destruction. Uh, so that's more your nation state kind of area. If they can disrupt the water supply, then that um, causes problems for the government and so forth. But at the end of the day, most of the things that we're exposed to, it comes down to dollars. So if there's money that's available on the table, these guys are going to take it. And if you've hidden it under the table or under your mattress, they're going to find it there too. The key here is that impact is where the, this whole mess is moving to. They're not really interested in just taking 20 bucks out of your pocket as you walk past on the subway. They are looking to cause as much damage as possible. And why this is a thing is because we have provided so much information to them that they can use to target us. So by being able to look at a LinkedIn profile, I can quite easily see the other people who work for your organisation. Uh, so it's pretty trivial for me to be able to send an email from one of those people to another one of those people and have it look like it's a legitimate email, which then may get someone to click on it and then off we go. And they're doing more of that research. So rather than just a spray attack, spray and pray, they used to call it, where they would just send emails saying, click here because your uh, ATO payment has been uh, delayed. Uh, people would click on that or not click on that. They started to get better at telling that it wasn't real. Uh, now they're doing research on you as a person and trying to find out how can I get the most out of George uh, and using social media and the profiles and the information that you've put up there is how they tend to do that. So there's a couple of laws that we like to talk about in terms of cyber security. At the end of the day, if there's a vulnerability, someone is going to exploit it. Uh, the very first bank that was made, you know there was someone in that town who said, I'm going to rob that. And that kind of thing, it, it, this isn't about technology. This is just about vulnerability. If someone's vulnerable, there's going to be someone out there who's going to take advantage of that. The second law is that everything is vulnerable in some way. We can't assume that everything's safe. So huge corporations are spending millions of dollars on cybersecurity. If you're spending nothing, well, you're an easier target. It doesn't mean you have to spend millions. There are some kind of, there's a middle ground there that perhaps uh, we can look at as we go along. The big one though is that humans trust where they shouldn't. Why these scams are often so effective is because people want to trust 
they naturally think that the, the email that they got from the ATO is legitimate. They think that the email they got from their boss is legitimate. Uh, and they tend to click on things. Uh, I promise you, there are people who on their job description, it just says, must click on everything they see. Uh, and they're the people who tend to cause you problems. They usually got a name like Sharon. Uh, that's probably unfair. Uh, but at the end of the day, trust sucks. Um, we assume that the light's going to turn on when we flip the switch. We assume that the tradie who comes to our house to fix the dishwasher is going to not rip us off. We have to question the infrastructure around us. Uh, it's our greatest vulnerability when it comes to cybersecurity. So because of this trust, people fall for the scams. We have to combat our natural inclination to trust. So the simple thing is if you get an email, you don't know who it's from and it's an invoice, just maybe ignore the email. Worst thing that they're gonna do is maybe call you and say, how come you haven't paid the email? They haven't paid the invoice, in which case you can deal with it and maybe let them know that their emails look like scams. Uh, same kind of thing if you, get an e if you get a phone call from someone purporting to be from the police saying that uh, uh, you, you may have been involved tangentially in a crime. Well, the police tend not to call you, they tend to come and knock on your door. So use that kind of uh, trust no one uh, kind of uh, kind of approach and you tend to be okay. Um, no one ever got that angry if you uh, missed an email, uh, they'll send it again if it's really important. So at the end of all this, with innovation comes an opportunity for exploitation. So we've got your Zuckerbergs and your Elon Musks of the world who are doing all these amazing things uh, and we get to take advantage of that, which is excellent, but it does open up the door for bad guys to come along and say, how can I get a dollar out of this? So vigilance is the thing that's going to save you. So keep that in mind as we go along. In terms of common cyber threats, phishing is the one that people are probably most familiar with. Uh, like several things that began in Africa, uh, the Nigerian prince who wanted to give you all his money. Uh, but obviously, uh, at those kind of things have, have evolved. However, those exact same scams with the Nigerian prince, he's still kicking, uh, is, are still going because they still work. So at the end of the day, they are looking for ways that they can uh, replicate uh, things that have worked before. And they just keep using them because there's a new sucker born every minute. Whaling is the new kind of evolution uh, for, from fishing. So an executive um, in inverted commas, will send an email to an employee, giving them a directive of some kind. It might be to transfer money from one account to another. The, uh, the person who receives the email assumes that it's the person that, that, that it says it is, so transfers the money or ducks down to the shops and gets uh, $500 iTunes cards uh, and then um, hands them over uh, virtually, scratches off, and scratches off the... The, the, the number at the back to get the serial number and then that information is then handed on to the bad guy. We, we found evidence of a scam where $1,800 worth of these gift cards, so $1,800 iTunes gift cards uh, were, uh, were, were handed over by an Australian business. Um, within two hours, $700 had appeared in a Nigerian bank account. So that's how quickly these kind of scams uh, work with once you've got organised crime in the background. It's one thing they know how to do, it's how to launder money. So uh, the, the idea that you can maybe duck down to the police or call the bank and, and get it sorted out, once that money hits the account, it's gone. So the, the next big one though is uh, business uh, email compromise or BEC. 
And that's where someone takes over your email account. Once they own your email account, they can do all kinds of interesting things. So one thing they might do is put, uh, and we've seen this in real life, put a delay into your emails. So when you send an email, it sits in the outbox for a little while. Someone on the other side of the world, say in Nigeria, is sitting there waiting for those emails to be sitting in the outbox. They'll then open up the email from their end, adjust the banking details of the invoice that you're sending out, and then let the email get sent. So the person who receives the email gets the bill, uh, pays the money, and you have, you're none the wiser that that's been adjusted. Now, on small accounts, that would be pretty annoying, uh, maybe even painful. This particular scam was very big about 18 months ago in the real estate game. So the kind of money that we're talking about here was the escrow accounts for uh, businesses that were uh, uh, homes that were changing hands. So literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, again, once that money hits a bank account in Australia, uh, organised crime steps in. They have a network of people who will go and withdraw cash from ATMs at 7-Elevens and so forth, collate all that money, they'll duck down to the local Tiffany's and buy themselves uh, some jewellery or, a, or a, a nice uh, Rolex. Uh, someone then gets on a plane and goes to Malaysia. Uh, at Malaysia uh, Airport, they hand off the jewels or the, uh, or the watches to, uh, to somebody there who then goes and uh, fences them off to a, uh, a source that, that does that kind of thing. Money then hits... Western Union and appears in the, uh, the bank account of the dude in Nigeria. So they reckon that about something like 40%, 40 to 45% of the money that is stolen ends up there. 40, 45% of 200 grand is still a pretty good earn. So uh, these kind of uh, scams are very, very effective because they just sit there in the background and just watch until they can make a strike. The next one's ransomware, which a lot of people have heard of. Uh, maybe some people in the audience have actually been hit by this, uh, where you click on an email, uh, the computer is compromised in such a way where all of the documents, all the photos, your MyOb database, everything uh, is encrypted uh, and all locked up. And then they ask money to, usually in Bitcoin, which is untraceable, uh, to be able to get that information back. This kind of thing is massive, massive, because, because it is untraceable, uh, you can buy kits on the dark web for not much money, um, hundreds of dollars, uh, where you can kick off your own um, attack on whatever database of people that you have. You might be a member of the local football club and maybe your son didn't get picked for the game. So you decide to select all the people on the list uh, and then send them off a ransomware thing and see if you can get a couple of grand out of it. So it really is that simple. Um, and then the advanced persistent threats are more the targeted ones we were talking about earlier. So that's where someone is looking to get control of things that you own. So that might be something as simple as a camera uh, that looks over the, uh, the loading dock of your business. Uh, it could be all the computers and modems and everything else that you've got in your business. Um, these are, they call it persistent threats for a couple of reasons. First of all, they're persistent to get in. They've done the research. They really want to get something out of you. But they also persist uh, over long periods of time. So they might sit there for weeks or months monitoring everything that's going on, finding out who's who in the zoo, making sure they've got control of all the different elements, uh, and then they press the button uh, and wipe everything out. And then your business stops. Uh, and that's exactly what happened to 
uh, I think it was uh, Cadbury's a couple of years ago, uh, their entire operation just stopped. Uh, and it was hundreds of thousands of dollars that they needed to pay to get out of it. So that's kind of a bit of a, a pricey of the, the common cyber threats. So, uh, so Stephen, that, is there anything you want to cover on, off there? Yeah, yeah. Before you move on, um, just, just on that, because um, again, in, in one way or another, we know someone or have heard of someone. And, and you know, we're, we're managing plenty of businesses and, and their journey. And we have in the last year or so um, had clients that have had been in one way or another, compromise in any one of these areas, particularly the the Trojan, um, you know, clicked on the wrong email. Holy shit, now what? And the whole reboot is just full-on drama. So uh, is there anything that you could suggest or in recent times you've seen or um, could share with us here today, Pat, as to is there a tell sign? Is there a, a component of an email that might look a little, or that looks a little different, but is it different? Can I... Can I pause? Is there a tactic to pause before I click? Is there, yeah. is there something that you could tell us you've seen and or as a trend recently and or what could we do if something's, I don't know, just give us some feedback on that. Yes, that's a really good, um, a really good question because uh, the beauty of the scam from the bad guy's point of view uh, is that you have to be right every single time. Every single time. They have to be right once. So they'll just keep firing these things at you. So in some ways uh, you think, well, this is a bit of a losing battle. They're going to get through eventually. But there are things that you can do. So first of all, vigilance uh, is the first one. Really kind of sit back before you click something. Do I actually know who that person is? Um, they're acting, they're talking to me like I know them, but do I actually know them? Uh, the next one is if the logos aren't right, if the grammar is a bit off, especially if it's somebody that you do deal with. Uh, so this email is purporting to come from Stefan. Uh, is that the way Stefan actually writes? Does he not use capitalization or does he not use uh, punctuation as he goes? So those kind of things can kind of make your, your spidey senses tingle a little bit. Uh, and you want to kind of train yourself to uh, act on that before you click rather than after you click and you go, oh, did I do something terrible? So you don't want to have that sinking feeling in your stomach when you go, actually, uh, I don't actually bank with a Commonwealth bank, so why would I click on a password reset for that? So there's those kind of things that you can do. So that's, that's behavioural. Uh, and there are certainly some, and we talk about it a bit later on, uh, about security awareness training. Uh, I, I believe that's the most critical thing that a small business can do is have every single person from the top down, uh, every person in the business, um, be put through consistent uh, and ongoing cybersecurity training. It's not and, a huge and when you deal. say consistent, Pat, when you say consistent, are you thinking once a month, once a yep. quarter, once a year? What are you thinking in today's real world? Yeah, I think it needs to be front of mind. So what we find with the kind of security training that we do, and we do a uh, a, a campaign of fake phishing emails that we send to try and get some kind of understanding of. Um, the how exposed a particular business is or how uh, vulnerable perhaps their staff are to clicking on things that they shouldn't. So we put them through some security training where little videos usually um, uh, and at the end there's a little quiz, three or four questions. The whole thing takes maybe three or four minutes. Uh, and we find that the level of susceptibility after that uh, decreases massively. Uh, six weeks on, it's back up where it started 
people just forget. I mean, people are busy and I understand that. So what we suggest is that a monthly program, uh, again, it's only a couple of minutes per person per month. Um, it'll nag at you, the particular one we use nags at you until you've done it. Uh, it's a little video that goes for a couple of minutes and then a quiz. Um, tends to kind of lead, keep that level of, of uh, um, vigilance up. Um, the other thing that it does though is each one of the videos that, that we do has, uh, is, is targeted around a specific area. So we had some ones specifically around COVID-19 because there was a lot of scams that were happening around that space. Um, click here to donate money or whatever. Um, click here to find out all the people in your area who may have it. Right? People naturally are curious and they click on things. So um, some targeted uh, uh, videos around that and also things to look out for when working from home. Um, they're the kind of things that are that are really that are big. So uh, vigilance and training. Uh, and then the final one is making sure that you've got a uh, an email platform that provides you best of breed security in terms of filtering this stuff out before it gets there. So the particular solution that we use, uh, which is all Microsoft based, not only will block bad things coming in, um, they will check all attachments to make sure that they're not, um, that they are what they seem. Uh, but even better than that, if something then turns out later to be bad, it can actually reach in and pull that out of your mailbox. So you're using all of the people who use Microsoft's email throughout the world, all that knowledge is all getting uh, kind of put in through artificial intelligence and machine learning to best protect you. So you've got a technical solution there and you've also got a procedural one. Yeah, okay, so that's, that's some really good tips there. And, and I love the fact that you didn't say you need five hours of training every month or every day, because that's, um, yeah, many people see that as a, as, as, as a hindrance, but in fairness, you know, ignorance to your peril. So if you could be freshened and conscious and vigilance is one thing. My rule, as you know, Pat, if, if I don't recognize it, it's deleted. And not only is it deleted, it's then deleted totally from the whole thing. Yeah. Um, that, that's, my, that's my rule over the last five years since, you know, you and I did that massive training um, with the business. And knock on wood. I'm not going to say I'm, I'm bulletproof or our business is, but um, um, that's the rule. Now, I, I have that rule. I'm, I'm confident my team has that rule. And, you know, you just got to be, you just got to take three seconds longer. Yeah. You know, you're seeing Bob Smith as an email address and then you see something that looks a little foreign after that. Yeah. And that's not, that's not real. Just delete it. If someone, as you said before, is desperate to get in touch with you, they'll find a way. That's exactly right. I think that's the thing that people have to get around. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay if I didn't get your uh, your email. Um, yeah, the rigid Digi people will definitely find a way to uh, get to you in a in a decent and civil sort of way. All yep. right, mate. Over to you. Beautiful sharing there. Thank you. Right. So next, we're just going to quickly talk about uh, the Starbucks scam, which is a pretty neat one, uh, and this is something that we can kind of put in place uh, straight away, and that is. Don't ever, ever use public Wi-Fi. Just don't do it. Uh, it's going to cause you all kinds of pain, uh, whether that's in a hotel, it might be in a, um, uh, in a, uh, a cafe. Uh, and this particular scam works. They call it the, the, the Starbucks free Wi-Fi, but it, it, this kind of thing happens all over the place. You'll go into a Starbucks, you'll sit down, and you think, I'll just use the Wi-Fi here because then I don't have to use the data on my phone. 
So you click on the Starbucks free Wi-Fi that's in there and you click on and you start doing your Facebook and your internet banking and all the stuff that you want to do while you have a coffee. Or you might be connected with your laptop and you're doing some work um, on, some, on the, the McKenzie report. Meanwhile, a criminal's in the corner on his laptop broadcasting uh, a fake Wi-Fi network because it turns out that Starbucks doesn't use Starbucks free Wi-Fi as their Wi-Fi name. So this little device that is literally the size of a pack of playing cards uh, with a couple of little aerials on it is actually pretending to be the Starbucks free Wi-Fi. And everything you've just done on that Wi-Fi network has actually been going through this guy's uh, computer in the corner. So he's managed to capture all your information, all your passwords, all this kind of stuff. This happens every day. This particular unit here, you can buy from hack5.com. Uh, it costs $99. So for 99 bucks, and I don't know if you would like to set this up as a, uh, a potential business offering uh, for your clients, Stefan, but they could certainly create their own scams if they'd like. And we can help you with that. No, uh, we're we're going to stick with the, uh, we have integrity as one of our highest points of value, mate. And a lot of rules, Stefan. dollars business plans, mate. A lot of rules. Question, uh, so the next section, uh, how is my business at risk? Uh, you can hide under the bed if you like, but it's not going to help. Uh, so at the end of the day, uh, it comes down to numbers. Uh, it is a numbers game after all. Uh, they say cybersecurity is a numbers game like Amway is. You just keep going and eventually someone's going to click on something. So 71% of breaches target small business. So the whole idea that we're not a target of small businesses is hooey. 59% uh, of small businesses do not have any kind of uh, contingency plan in place. That's the bit that uh, keeps me up at night because if you don't have a contingency plan in place when something goes wrong, you're, you're, doing, you're putting out fires on the run. Uh, putting a plan, plan in place around the information uh, that matters to you or the, the plant that matters to you, whether that's uh, uh, machines or computers or whatever else, uh, is pretty critical. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit later on as we go. And 60% of small businesses don't recover. So that's the bit that uh, is kind of hidden in a lot of this. If you get breached, in such a fashion that all of your stuff's locked up and you can't pay the ransom or the ransom payment doesn't work because don't forget we're talking about dealing with criminals here so they're not really that good at uh, handing over the keys uh, once they've screwed you over. Uh, a lot of these businesses can't recover because they just don't have the ability to, uh, you know, they, they can't recover their um, the, the lost orders that they've done, their reputations in tatters because they won't be able to deliver uh, on the stuff that they had to do, they've their staff um, go. The, the whole thing is a disaster. So we do need to have something that we can uh, put in place to make sure that these that we don't get into these stats. So there's two kinds of businesses. They reckon this is from the FBI. There are those who have suffered a cybersecurity incident, and those that will. It's as simple as that. Again, because so many uh, attacks are being aimed at us. Uh, it kind of is a matter of when. Um, so then it comes down to what have I got in place to protect myself from that? So you go to all the efforts of putting up the walls, um, but if someone gets through, you have to have a baseball bat. Uh, and if uh, they cause a bit of a, uh, a ruckus, you need to be able to have a plan to get everything back up and going again. So that's backups. Uh, that might be an alternate place of business. There's all kinds of things that we can put in a plan to make sure that you can sleep at night. Just on that, uh, just letting everyone know that we're, uh, we're definitely in about 15 minutes' time. We're going to be taking Q&A and Pat's going to uh, 
He's promised to stay back and answer as many questions as we need to. Um, please, um, there's plenty of questions, I'm sure. And, you know, this is a fairly, uh, it, it's, it's such a hidden part of our business, but a crucial and non-negotiable part of our businesses. Definitely our life, if I was to extend that in terms of how it rates in the scale of seriousness. So, you know, there should be plenty of questions and or ears pricking right now with some of this um, information. And I know it's, it's, it's a little confronting, but I guess um, ignorance to your peril. And um, we, don't, we don't want to see any of you being hurt and or ill-prepared. And no one, including anyone on this, um, on, in this meeting, is, is, is totally bulletproof. And we need to be vigilante and always on alert as to how can we be better. So, yeah, quick questions to be asked, please do so. Um, please put them through the, uh, the chat and we'll, uh, we'll address them in, in about 10 to 12 minutes. Thank you. Pat, over to no you. No worries. So next up, the thing that we hear most commonly from small businesses is that it's not me. Uh, this isn't going to happen to me because I don't have anything. So they can come at me if they want, but I'm going to be fine. Uh, nothing can be further from the truth. You, you as a small business uh, are in the sweet spot between individuals who don't have a lot of information and big business who spend a lot to protect themselves. So you're kind of a soft target. Uh, and because small businesses don't have sufficient defences, they haven't got the investment in security, they don't have the visibility into their network to know what's actually going on. And this is the key. Uh, if you are uh, breached, and you're a large business, all kinds of alarms go off to say that someone's in the network that shouldn't be, information's being taken out that shouldn't be, uh, all this kind of thing. If you're a small business, you don't have those alarms. There's nothing to tell you that um, something untoward is happening. And I think that is something that it's so easy to put in place. It's not expensive, um, but you do have to start thinking about cybersecurity as something that's going to cost you money because... It's going to cost you money one way or the other. So it's better to be on the front end of it than trying to deal with it afterwards. Uh, nation states, I'll touch on it very quickly. This is what um, the Prime Minister was talking about last week. Uh, we are under attack from nation states. Like I said uh, at the outset, some of the tools that they use to get uh, to have shots at each other um, kind of filter down and start to affect us. Um, special mention, though, of China, because China have a a multi-year, as you can imagine, uh, strategic plan. And there are businesses that, um, or areas of business that they are looking to develop. If you happen to be one of those businesses, or a business in Australia that operates in that same area, you might be in the firing line. So the, the, uh, the Chinese government may instruct some of their cyber actors to wipe out all the companies that make, for instance, light poles because they're looking at moving into the light pole industry. So the way that would look is that they would disrupt your business in some way uh, so that you weren't able to fulfill orders, for instance. And all of a sudden it becomes a thing of, well, I need new light poles. I could go to this company, but I've heard that they're pretty bad and they, they often don't, uh, don't deliver on time. Or I could go to this Chinese company that's going to do it for cheaper. So that's a concrete example of uh, how a nation actor can actually affect a small business just because you're the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, the next bit we'll quickly talk about then is the information that you put on social media. And I don't wanna, uh, this presentation so far has been a little bit sky is falling and I apologize for that, but I do wanna make sure that people are aware of uh, the potential danger. 
the information that you put on social media, you really have to think about. So uh, it's not very difficult to, um, to uh, do a quick search on someone online and find out lots of information that they, you'd prefer that they didn't have. So for example, how many people know about your birthday because it's on Facebook? So the one thing that you cannot change about yourself, you've put out there to the public. Uh, it's not that difficult to find out your children's names and their ages because they're tagged on Instagram on posts. Uh, same kind of thing with nicknames um, in comments. Um, so keeping your information private is critical. Um, making sure you've got the right security on these accounts is really critical because that's the thing that's going to protect you. You should be able to play in the little sandpit of your friends uh, and have chats and do all that kind of stuff without any issues at all, so long as you've got the security settings right. And we've got some guides about how we can, we can do that to make sure that the uh, security that's provided by Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, that you've got all those things turned on um, so that you're comfortable that your information's private from randos. So just on that, Pat, because I guess that's a... Um, look, I think we're all aware and we, we, we get so caught up in the... I guess, you know, that, that, that it's part of life now to be, in one way or another, involved in social, or at least most of us are. And it's also for some of us, and as I see our, our guests here tonight, some of us are, have got some big profiles... Um, on social, what are, as it relates to 2021, what are some of your tips? Like literally in the last week or so, I've had a a, a numerous amount of requests, particularly on Facebook um, from people who I know the name, but there's no photo. Like it's a, it's a faceless request. And I'm thinking, geez, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm, let's let's just say, I'm pretty sure I'm, uh, I'm friends with David already. Why is he asking me for another friend's request? So, you know, faceless, it's a name you know, and in fairness, it, it, it proves to be someone that's not David. Um, but what do, what, do you, what do you recommend as a 2021 rule as it relates to social? Because it's one of those things that becomes subconscious. And, and again, I'm looking at some of the, uh, the guests here tonight on the webinar, and we've got some big, big, big profiles on this, uh, on this sharing tonight. So what can you tell us? as it relates to socials that will keep us at least one step protected? It's all about uh, security settings. So first of all, you must have uh, two-factor authentication enabled on these on these different things. So that's not so much about the information leaking out, that's about bad guys getting in. So if you've got two-factor authentication and all these platforms have it, um, you go into the security settings uh, in the account part of the page, you can do it from your phone, uh, you turn that on, it will send you a text when you go to log in. So that means someone can't log in as you on a device somewhere else because they would have to have access to your phone. So that's a mandatory. Do that, do that now while we're talking. Uh, the next one is though, have a look in the privacy section of each of these apps and you get to choose how much of your information is shared. So there will be stuff that's available to all the public. So that's usually just your uh, initial face, sorry, initial uh, photo, whether that's a, uh, your face or a background or whatever. Uh, and but then you may choose that only your your actual private followers get access to everything else. My recommendation is you would definitely do that for most people, uh, certainly for children. Uh, that's critical. Go and check your children's phones and make sure that all those privacy settings are switched up to the max. 
but in terms of uh, accepting friend requests from people that you're not sure about, uh, most people would have uh, a pretty good idea of, of who their friends are. Uh, there's an argument to say that if I don't know you in real life, why would I want to connect with you on something like Facebook? So LinkedIn's a bit different because it's a bit kind of, it's more businessy. But I'd suggest that uh, this, the rule of thumb is if I don't know you in real life, if we're not friends in real life, I'm probably not going to want to connect with you on Facebook. I'll find a different way of being able to connect with you if, if, if I need to. So that, that's kind of probably, and you know, I'm not too tinfoil hat about this. Uh, however, my real birthday is not uh, anywhere online. Um, and I don't even have my real name on Facebook. So I'm probably not a good example. <laughs> It, it, it is one of those things, isn't it? I mean, it's just, um, and again, what we don't want to do or what we're trying our best not to do in this um, sharing is freaks people so, so much that they, you know, that they, they certainly go back into a cocoon and no. get, go into a different version of isolation, let's call it. So I, I think just be aware, be conscious, be yep. one step ahead. Just think, think it through. Is having 10,000 people liking you on Facebook really that important? If 9,900 of them um, are, are potential, you know, are they really your friend? So over to you, Pat. Let's keep on moving. No worries. So uh, keep that in mind, um, just about what you put on the socials. Um, so then we move into the um, where the, the rubber hits the road a bit. How is it that we're going to protect the business? Um, now, everything up to this point has been doom and gloom. Uh, and again, I apologise that to the, about that to a point. Um, but... Keep in mind that most people only act on this stuff after there's been a breach, after they've been compromised in some way. So um, they, they say that your house is the safest the day after you've been burgled because that's when you go and get the cameras and change the locks and make sure all the windows have bolts on them. So um, obviously doing that beforehand is better. Um, it's much cheaper to pay for the fix beforehand than after the fact. After the fact. And the worst time to discuss any kind of disaster recovery or continuity plan is while you're in that, in that mode. So spend some time over the next week or so just thinking, well, what would happen if we were compromised? What kind of plans do we have in place? What's our plan B for a lot of this stuff? Now, if you look at it from that point of view, it's actually not that difficult because what we're talking about doing really is risk management uh, at the end of the day. Um, so there are a couple of kind of basic rules that we can look at. If you look at any particular part of your business that matters to you, you can identify what is it that you need to protect about it. So you might have a particular computer that is used for uh, all of your uh, design stuff. It's the only one, it might be the only Mac that you have in the office, for instance. What happens if that doesn't turn on tomorrow? What happens if that's compromised or smashes or uh, just catches fire? Well, what are, you gonna do? what are you doing to protect that at this point? Well, you might have backups. You might have a, an old Mac in the cupboard that you could bring out and use in some kind of way. Putting a plan around each of these things is is what we're talking about. And if you do it on that micro level where you just say this particular thing, I've got a plan for it now, uh, and it might be a piece of paper, it might be a couple of paragraphs, when something goes wrong, you go to that and you can decide what to do next. Uh, and the next thing is to be able to detect, and this is what I was talking about before, being able to identify when something is wrong. So if you know what normal looks like and you've got some kind of alerting system that can look at logs as they're happening and say, mm, people are logging on at 3am, that normally doesn't happen, I might raise that as an alarm. And then your IT company or whoever it is who's looking after your security can then have a look at that, pass some kind of test 
about whether it's uh, it seems reasonable or not, uh, and then uh, push that push that forward to, to for further review. Um, respond. What kind of continuity plans um, can be act enacted during an incident? If you're in a cyber incident uh, and your internet isn't working because you're being bom um, bombarded by computers in Iran, what's your plan B for that? Can you do you have a uh, a wireless 4G card that you can plug in to get the business up and going again on a different internet connection? Do you have backups of your uh, uh, website that you can just press a button and make go live in a different spot? There's those kind of things. And then finally, if you do have a disaster, what kind of plans have you got to get up and going again? What kind of time period are you talking about there? Because that all kind of comes into play. So the next step then uh, is to kind of look at cybersecurity as risk management. And if you do that, uh, you kind of take the technology out of it. It's not a technology issue. It's a risk issue. Uh, and you as business owners deal with risk all the time. So this is something that you are absolutely able to deal with on your own. Perhaps with some advice from um, the particular technical sides, but most of it is just about risk management. And the final thing I really wanted to talk about today is about the human firewall. Given it is the, uh, as we say, the PEBCAC, the problem exists between the keyboard and chair. There's that person who has been employed to click on every email that they that they get. How did you, what did you just call that? PEBCAC, P-E-B-C-A-K. Problem exists between keyboard and chair. I love that. So, <laughs> Nikki, can you put that up on the screen? I want to make sure I come back to that. <laughs> so, um, this is what we're talking before about this, the cybersecurity training. Uh, investing in the staff to make sure that they understand their place in this vulnerability kill chain. Uh, if an email comes in and um, a person has the, uh, they've been given permission by the business to be able to say, you know, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to open that. I'm not comfortable as the accounts person. I'm just not going to open that that email. Uh, I know I'm not going to get in trouble from the boss. Um, or the email that comes in from the boss to say, can you please go and buy uh, iTunes cards? Well, I know that's not the kind of thing that he would do, and I'm just going to call him and find out if that's okay. Um, those kind of things is what we're talking about, giving your staff permission to be that human firewall between you and the bad guys, because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are going to save you from that. Now, there are other things that we can do uh, in terms of making sure your computers are patched, that you have a good password policy, unique passwords uh, for each thing, um, multi-factor authentication turned on everywhere. They're all technical solutions, but what I really wanted to focus on today is what kind of things can we put in place um, that are procedural or uh, in terms of people um, to kind of get the best bang for our buck. Um, and, uh, and that's where that kind of works. And then to wrap up then, you've got to remember that you are a target uh, and you're a bit juicy because you are a small business. So you do have some kind of uh, access to funds. Um, they will do research on you and find out if you have the ability to pay and how much you can pay. You need to question everything. You need to trust no one in terms of any kind of cyber dealings that you have with email and, and so forth. Your defences aren't good enough and they probably won't be, which is why they're your staff are your best hope. Uh, now, I know that some of you will be looking around and thinking of your staff list and that might make you shiver in your boots a bit, but spend some time on them because they're the ones who are going to protect you on the front line. And uh, a, a key takeaway, not to do with the, uh, with the presentation, but just good life advice, always try to be nice never fail to be kind. Well, there we go. Beautiful. Just, um, again, just very enlightening and 
and very, very appropriate in terms of the last, not only four months where people's, I guess, access to, to PEBCAC has, uh, has certainly uh, taken another level, you know, where, where people are a lot more in front of their screens, a lot more business being done in front of their screens and, um, you know, the, the, the virtual world and the digital world, which has been forced upon us um, in, 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 um, in the recent um, three to four month period. But more timely is the, um, you know, the last seven to eight um, days where we've certainly been um, alerted to as a country and, and there's plenty of bigger examples than just small business where um, there's been some immense um, ramifications for people being underprepared or ill-prepared. So ignorance to your peril. I, um, to your peril. I, um, I guess as it relates, and there's a question up on the chat room here, which I think is a really good one, password managers, you know, Every business in one way or another has a central point or, or should or could or may need to consider a central point so passwords ain't scattered everywhere. Central point for um, passwords. What, 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 what can you give as a, a, a 30 second sort of feedback on how to do that better? VPNs, what are your, what's your feedback on that? The uh, passwords, um, they're a real uh, hobby horse of mine. Um, people tend to have the same password for everything um, and that is where people really come unstuck. So there are bajillions of passwords that have been hacked uh, around the world that exist in databases that bad guys have. So if you, for instance, uh, a couple of years ago, the Marriott chain was hacked, 170 well, something million passwords got leaked out. So if you ever went to a Marriott chain hotel, and there's lots of them, uh, and you signed up for their program so you could get a free breakfast the next day or whatever, you would have probably put in your email address and the password that you always use. So when that got leaked out, that username and that password are now in the wild. So what the bad guys do is they do what's called a password spray attack, where they just get that username and the password and they just go and shoot it against every single online platform that there is. So if you use that same username and password to get into your bank, then they have access to your bank. If they have access to your email because you used it for, for that email, your regular email as well, that might give them access to being able to change your Facebook password. And once I've changed your Facebook password and I own your Facebook account, well, now I can find out all your private stuff in your Facebook account. That might be enough to be able to ring up the bank and say, can I please, uh, I've got a new address. Can I please get a credit card sent to my new address, please? Now, all of these kind of things are easily fixed by having a password manager. Now we've got, uh, the one we recommend is 1Password. There's another one that's very good called LastPass. Um, all of those These can are be apps? Used. These are apps? Correct. Yeah, so they're okay. an app that you can install on everything. Uh, it manages all your passwords for you. So I'm and a cynic. can work in a team as well. So I'm a cynic, right? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, hang on. Yep. Well, so you're asking me to put all my passwords on an app in the digital world. How does that work? Yep. So you are putting all your eggs in one basket? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a pretty good basket. So these baskets are um, peer-reviewed. They are uh, fully secure, encrypted left and right. You can have special permissions on them to say, if someone enters the password wrong 10 times, delete the whole database. There's all kinds of cool stuff that you can do. Uh, but because the benefits that you get out of it by having one really good password that protects all your other ones uh, is that that encrypted uh, database can then be shared amongst your uh, different devices. So I have passwords that are comfortably 30 characters long, 
that I've never seen. I just copy and paste them and it, everything just works. So not one of them is the same as the other. Um, they're long and they're scary and it's, if it's, it's, it'll save you bacon, absolutely. VPNs, uh, what were the name can, of those apps, just very quickly? Uh, one password, as in the number one password, uh, yep. is uh, very good on Apple's. Um, Apple devices, whether it's iPhones or whatever, but definitely works on everything else. So that's the one I personally use. Uh, another one that's very big in the uh, corporate space is LastPass, uh, as in it's the last password you'll ever need, um, where you can uh, comfortably share passwords between different people. But whatever you do, get one. So just as it relates to this part, um, just, just a, one more question on this. Um, should we have a password policy in our business as it relates to our team, should we should we be um, should we have a time sensitive like every sixty days, every ninety days, every thirty days? Like some of the uh, the CRMs are really good at this, where they they force you to change pace passwords, and you can't go ever back to one you've used in the last four years, right? Mm. So, is is that a good policy in your opinion? It's absolutely critical that every business, as part of their cybersecurity uh, journey, uh, creates a whole stack of policies. Um, one of them specifically is a password policy. So there should be very clear rules about what passwords can be used uh, or how passwords are generated, um, how long you keep them for, um, the fact that there is a multi-factor uh, authentication that goes with that. Um, the needle has moved a little bit on the changing it every three months or whatever. Um, I would personally prefer that you have a better password and it's stored in a password manager uh, then that you have a relatively easy password that you change all the time. Uh, people are not good at creating passwords. Um, your brain just isn't designed for that. Computers are great at it, so let them do it. Um, as long as you've got a method and a, uh, a policy around the way that it's created, uh, the way that they're stored, um, that, that's what's going to save you. So a couple of months ago when we were having lunch, um, you were writing a white paper on passwords and, and some of this cybersecurity stuff. Is that finished? Yeah. I know and you're busy, some, mate. Have you finished yes. the white paper on this? Yes, but uh, can I say that I've done a lot of work on this for, for, for my hey, clients? Mate, can I just warn you, you should know me better. When you say but... Yeah, the but is that uh, it turns out the one thing that the government's quite good at uh, is um, their cybersecurity uh, uh, frameworks that they've put in place. So if you visit the uh, Australian Cybersecurity Centre website, They've got some fantastic resources. Uh, well, and can I would, you put that up on the chat, please, for everyone? I would definitely recommend that uh, out of this, um, that you go back to your IT teams um, in the coming days and weeks and maybe ask these harder questions of them. How is it that we are prepared? Um, spend a few minutes, um, and they've got really good guides for small business people that Just aren't hold too protect, technical. Hold so we're speaking to Patrick Hussain from uh, Burger IT. Um, Patrick and his business has been at the forefront of IT, managed services, literally speaking, cybersecurity uh, um, tools and, 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 and weapons against uh, bad, bad, bad people. In saying that, he knows he's never, ever um, ahead of that curve. He can only be as ahead as the day allows him. So Burger IT, Patrick Hussain, sharing some magnificent stuff with us here tonight. So if you want to reach out to Patrick, um, Patrick, what's the best email for you? Uh, it'll be patrick at burgerit.com.au or you can uh, yeah, find me online. So patrick at burgerit.com.au um, and um, I strongly recommend 
if you do have IT managers and or people in your business that are responsible for the IT component, or if you are responsible as the leader in your business for the IT component, I strongly recommend that you do have a, um, an affiliation, a, a connection, a, a go-to um, external ex expert, no different to business benchmark group for what we do with every one of you in your business. We are a go-to reference for business growth and business development. People like Patrick and Burger IT specifically, they are so focused on having you right up to speed, right up to date on a smell of an oily rag. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean they're cheap. They're just not pimping the ride as it relates to what's needed, when it's needed, and ultimately planning the journey, as Patrick just mentioned, the cyber uh, security journey. So very, very important. Sorry to cut you off there, mate. I just want to make sure that people know that you are a busy guy. Your team is full on, full on busy. I love the look of your new office too, mate. It looks magnificent. Well done. And congratulations on making that happen. And um, you and your team, I know you've been left, right and centre very busy, but you are accessible. And I know you're a, um, just like your last little slide there in the, um, in the presentation, you're a decent human being as well. And, and you certainly, um, you've been a massive, um, um, again, support for my business, our business and our community. And, and never are we feeling so safe that we're ignorant. We're always so safe that what else do we need to do, Patrick? It was only two nights ago that Patrick um, pinged myself and Nikki saying, hey, there's a few lights going on here with some um, activity. Are you guys on this or should I be uh, sending the SWAT team around <laughs> literally? And um, it was Nikki and I just um, compacting some um, additional work for um, in preparation of some stuff we're doing at BBG. So. That's how, um, again, and, and Patrick's business is um, based in the uh, very southeast part of um, Victoria, otherwise known as a, a place that stands alone. You need to go over a bridge to get to it. It's called Phillip Island. So, <laughs> and um, We are thinking of getting rid of that bridge if too many people keep coming onto it. Right, we've uh, got COVID-19 in, uh, in the north and the west, mate. You're, you're safe where you are, mate. Don't burn the bridge yet. But um, just just continuing with the uh, the cyber bits. Any any further questions? So, I guess um, this this sharing is recorded. It'll be up on the resource center at um, at Business Benchmark Group. Please feel free to come along there. If you're a client, a community member, then you know you have special access to that. If you're not, we're going to make this accessible to everyone else. Is there any final word from you, Pat? Um, I just want to make sure that we've got every question. I've got one more question to go through. And I'll come back to that. Is there any final word from you as it relates to what you've shared tonight? I think the big one, Stefan, is to make sure that you have a, uh, a good think about this in a, um, in a time of quiet. Um, you don't want to be making policy changes on the run. Uh, sit down with your executive team um, on Monday next week, uh, maybe as a, as a separate meeting, not part of your normal kind of whip, uh, and say, well, where are we exactly? What kind of things do you think we should be looking at? Take that kind of fresh page approach. Um, it's possible that the, uh, the IT team that you uh, have at the moment are, are really up on this. Um, don't be afraid to uh, look at the whole cybersecurity component as separate from your regular computers. It kind of is a separate set of skills. Uh, and that's why our particular business has focused on this. Uh, there are other businesses like us that have done that. Um, 
but I think that it, it really needs to have a very clear and level-headed um, thought process um, from the executive team down um, to make sure that you're as, as best prepared as you possibly can be. Yeah, no, fantastic. And there's one final bit, which I think you've uh, just uh, really, really probably precursed the question, but what are the top three things I should do tonight to protect my business, but most importantly, my home? Uh, the beauty of the, the kind of messages that we had uh, in tonight's um, uh, presentation is that it's not about just your business. Uh, you can take a lot of these thoughts home because you also don't want your, your wife or husband um, clicking on emails that they shouldn't because that's going to make a real mess at home. Um, you want to make sure that your kids are properly protected. Um, so if they are on social media, take a couple of minutes to sit down with them and go through the privacy settings. They may not even be aware um, that some of those are, are open. Um, and if you've got uh, kids and they're, you know, posting photos of, of themselves around the pool with their, uh, to their friends and uh, someone outside is able to see that, that's obviously not great. So making sure that you've got the right privacy settings turned on, that you've got multi-factor authentication turned on, that has to be the, the biggest takeaway of tonight. Uh, and really spend some time thinking about where you're exposed uh, and what kind of things you should be focusing on um, to make sure that you are as best prepared as possible uh, for the continuing onslaught um, of bad guys trying to get at your stuff. And although we didn't name it, there were aspects of what you shared tonight, specifically around that um, social side as it relates to identity theft. Mm. And, um, and, and the last thing you want in life, in my opinion, would be identity theft to be going on. That would be so... Again, that would be a difficult thing to manage. It destroys people. It really does. Uh, just the, I, I do know of a guy who had his identity stolen. He had no idea. Uh, he went to the bank um, to do his big reno of his house that they've been planning for years. Knock back, sorry. You've got outstanding debts. Uh, and he had no idea it was about um, a telephone service for a share house in Geelong. He'd never lived in Geelong. Um, now, even though they got to the bottom of all that, Every time he goes to the bank now, he has to take a sheaf of papers this thick explaining uh, why his credit record is a shambles. Uh, it, it really does destroy people. Patrick, I want to thank you and, and the time you've afforded us. And um, I love what you're doing. And, you, you know, just um, you're true to your craft and you're uh, genuine and authentic and you're one step ahead and, and you look after the people you serve. You're a phenomenal uh, businessman and um, I'm proud to have you at a, in our community and I'm also proud to have you as an, uh, as an alumni and board of directors 12, one of the initial group, one of the first groups ever. So it, it was, It's been a great you, journey friend. and uh, having you in my corner has been great, Stefan. Thank you to you and all your team. Thank you. Have a good evening, everybody. And um, this sharing will be on our resource centre at the Business Benchmark Group website. Thank you. Good evening and stay strong. Be safe. For more information about Business Benchmark Group's coaching, education, and training programs, visit businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au or call 03 0878. If you liked this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and leave feedback as well. Stefan shares so much value in all his podcasts and we encourage you to go through the archives and listen to other episodes of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. Thank you for listening.